This is Actualize Freedom, straight talk on growing clicks and conversions on Amazon FBA from people doing it every day. Now here's your host, digital marketing acrobat, Danny Kenji Carlson. Today's episode of the Actualize Freedom podcast is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader giving big thinking for small business. It's designed for e-commerce leaders eager to grow and protect their business. It's co-hosted by Jason Miles, Shopify store owner and educator, and Michael Vizi, an Amazon specialist. Just search for The E-Commerce Leader in your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. What's up, guys? This is Danny Carlson with the Actualized Freedom Podcast, and we have someone on the opposite side of the world. I am five uh, or at 6 a.m., and he is 6 p.m. over there. And we're connecting through the center of the world, or more accurately, on satellites all the way around the perimeter of the world to connect this call for you guys today. So thank you to technology. And he's someone who has, he has been through his own successful e-commerce business, and now he is on the software side. And he's got a lot of really in-depth experience. And it's really cool to see the company that is built to this level, I think, in part due to his success in the e-commerce industry in the first place. So like to welcome to the podcast from the outside of the world, Yoni Mazor. How's it going, man? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. And uh, thank God for technology, man. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I mean, both of us would not really have businesses without technology. Maybe I would still be a construction worker. And I don't know, maybe you'd be, uh, I don't know. What would I'll you be a philosopher. Do? Probably be philosopher. just a philosopher or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that wouldn't be so bad, but probably much lower paid. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, no pay at all. <laughs> awesome, man. So I want you to just dive right into your story. You have a really interesting backstory when it comes to, uh, you know, your beginnings on Amazon. So maybe that's a good place to start. Like, how did you start out on Amazon before you're doing what you're doing now? So essentially, I was in school, university. Um, and then I, uh, you know, I need to buy textbooks, which I did on Amazon. And um, I figured out that I have two ways to cash it out. I can cash it out via trading. I can trade in my books with Amazon. Uh, or I can just sell it on the platform. And I realized that if I sell on the platform, I get much more out of it. Um, so that was like my first dabble into the actual platform, the layout, how everything works. Um, so essentially, much like the Amazon story, my story on Amazon also start with books. But um, but the background for all that was I was actually kind of always kind of selling stuff online, especially, you know, on eBay, basically. <clears throat> whatever I can kind of find on eBay or kind of whatever bargains I was, I, you know, I used to sell it. And then, um, so when I was in school, I also had a job and, um, um, and I was selling, you know, the books on Amazon stuff on eBay. And, um, later on I met my partner, Max, you know, we're partners even today with the, with Katita. Um, uh, he was doing accounting and I was doing a uh, distribution, uh, and sales uh, around the tri-state area, the New York area. And then, you know, we kind of, um, you know, we're able to establish connection with suppliers, you know, of, of all these types of products. And uh, we, we fed it uh, uh, to eBay mostly. But then this was like 10 years ago, like around 2010, 2011. Um, but so Amazon was kind of up and coming. So we, we figured out, you know, let's source products for Amazon and put it out in the, in the platform. And, and the moment we did. It was just, it was like a rocket fuel. Just the more we put put into the platform, we're just selling and selling and selling. And, uh, uh, you know, really, really quickly, it turned from zero to 20 million a year. Uh, and, and the scale and volume that we were dealing with was uh, uh, was so phenomenal that um, 
we had to essentially be able to audit all the transactions because we're heavily reliant on FBA, on the fulfillment by Amazon uh, module, right? Because we used to ship our, our products into Amazon's fulfillment centers. And uh, I remember even from day one, we had to audit. Uh, I mean, we were, uh, sorry, let, let me take it back. Even from the ship first shipment to FBA, I remember how concerned we were by shipping this inventory to Amazon because back in 2012, I believe it was, the mindset was like, or 2013, the mind was like, our mindset was like, who is this Amazon body? Who are they? What are they going to do with their products? What if they lose something? Right? So I remember calling them before we ship it in. If we lose it, uh, what's going to happen? Then it's like, oh, open our, you know, uh, our policy, you know, our reimbursement policy. We have all that. So we read it, you know, to the brim, to the every element. And we said, okay, they have a reimbursement policy. If anything happens to it, they'll, they'll take care of us. You know, it's our investments, our money, it's a lot of our savings. We ship the product in. Lo and behold, even the first shipment had its issues. You know, they, you know, they, they receive less than what we ship. And also, uh, the first first shipment, we relied on Amazon to label the products with uh, F, F and SKU labels, right? With, uh, you know, how they need, like, their own um, uh, uh, barcode. Uh, and they got it all wrong. Um, so it was kind of a little bit of a rough start in the FBA program. Um, so we had to get, we, we opened all these cases and we reconciled it. We got all these reimbursements from them. That was like the first, like the, the, the seeds of what we have today, uh, and the Gatita story. But, um, essentially all the other products that we had that, that didn't have an issue sold like fire. So, you know, the machinery kept, kept going. We kept uh, selling and shipping more stuff to FBA and selling it. But nevertheless, we always kept the auditing going. And as we're scaling, scaling more transactions, we had to essentially build technology that can work with that kind of scale which we did. And then we had to kind of create a team, a dedicated team to, to be able to ha handle such a load, which we did. And then at some point, uh, you know, our, our, um, our business kind of grouped into a, a larger group that, you know, all together combined, we did over a hundred million dollars a year on Amazon. So we're auditing, you know, the, the transaction of all the network of all the group. So we, we need to even uh, uh, refine and scale up the technology even more, uh, the algorithms, uh, the data processing and also the team itself because when we uh, open cases with Amazon it's not robotics not machines it's not a software that's actual people people sitting there and handling the back and forth with all the cases all the reconciliation um, and we're able to establish a team and at some point you know we're able to establish a team members uh, that were uh, former Amazon employees who used to work for Amazon in those departments in the FBA reimbursement department. So we kind of, even today more than ever, we know what we're looking for, how to look for the issues, how to present the case. And if Amazon kind of uh, doesn't understand what's going on and they reject the case, we're able to, because the intimacy that we have with the data, right? We're able to reopen the case, you know, bring out the information again in a different kind of light. So Amazon understands it a bit better. And then you know, they say, you know what? We see what's going on. We apologize. Here's the reimbursement. And we effectively are able to create a, a converted rejected case into a paid case. Um, so on this so yeah, account, I have a quick question about um, was this, which business model was this? Was this private label or wholesaling or, or mixture or what was right, going on? Right, right. So that, that, that's a great question. So initially it started with uh, reselling, you know, uh, whatever brands we could get our hands on, we used, to, we used to sell it. And effectively we became like a small Macy's on Amazon. We were selling in all categories, shoes, sunglasses, jewelry, watches, everything. It was uh, cosmetics. But uh, you know, after a very few short years, uh, we already, uh, we, we already developed five private label, uh, you know, products and brands. Uh, so we had also the private label scene, uh, uh, you know, granted it was less in volume than the reselling. So there's two models, right? You have the reselling where it's high volume, a uh, little margin and the private label was, you know, pretty much the margin was good. Um, 
um, the volume wasn't as big, uh, and, and you have all the difficulties of you know creating a, a brand, establishing a brand, and um, and scaling that up. Um, but what happened was effectively, you know, the retail was um, you know kind of peaked at a, a certain level, and um, being able to 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 sell on such a level and 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 the, the ability to to create that it's something that i feel right now with this position that nobody can take it away from me right so therefore if i need ever need to go back to that right i can do it same way i guess for your story you know you share with me that your story was you know being a, a carpenter right i guess you know if uh if things go ballistic you can always go back you know back to that right there's something to lay to uh, lay down upon so in my mindset i said you know i can always get go back to retailing because it, so to speak, I, I mastered the game. I feel very comfortable in it. You know, I excelled in it. I, I pretty much uh, went through so many um, stations of from you know, from zero to hundred grand, hundred grand to one million, one million to ten million, ten million to twenty million, twenty million to up to hundred million. You know, in a group level. So all these uh, all these stations that I passed through, uh, I, I I experienced them, and I kind of I am more I'm very familiar uh, in being in those positions. So that, uh, that gives me the confidence to do what I'm doing now because at some point we had to make a decision, you know, we keep the retail uh, uh, or uh, uh, basically keep both. That we can either keep retail and keep, uh, the, the, I guess, the, the softer business uh, together and try to make them both grow at the same time. Uh, or I kind of felt, and also my partner Max, that, you know, if we, if we cash out the retail game, which we know that we can always go back to and focus on, on this, how far can we take it? How far can it grow? That's kind of the gamble that we did, and and, and uh, the gamble was good because you know it's it's been um, the growth has been phenomenal for the past two three years. Uh, I mean, Gatita has been established uh, about five years ago, around 2015, um, and 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 the reason it, you know beyond the, the fact that we were able to grow and you know business was good is it, it had so much soul into it because essentially behind the scene we're helping so many sellers, so many sellers with reimbursements, with you know financial recovery, which is one element. Beyond that, what we deal a lot with is just consulting. We consult a lot to our community, to our clients, um, and help them with all their challenges because we've been there in their position. So whatever we can help them with, we do, and that creates a lot of satisfaction internally uh, for us, for them, and the whole experience. Uh, and if we cannot solve um, the problems for them together or the challenges, what we do is we try to reach out to our partners. We have you know, all these connections from the industry we're able to establish. We reach out to them. If you have a legal issue, you go there. If you have a suspension issue, you go over there. And if you need the optimization, this is your address. And that's that's uh, that's pretty uh, pretty awesome experience because I remember back in the day, of being on the selling side, it's very competitive and you have very little friends. But now pivoting to the other side of supporting the, the, this community, you're everybody's friend. You're friend of the sellers and you're your friend of the service providers. You're everybody's friend. So the mind shift and the pivot was. Um, I'm I'm still experiencing it now. You know, it's it's hard to land, and and uh, there's almost like a, a withdraw effect. Uh, you know, like an addict from the retail game, because you know once you explode, you see you see the numbers coming to the Amazon Seller Central dashboard. It fuels you, you know, with, with a lot of energy. So I do miss that, uh, but nevertheless, I have so much confidence in my heart that if I, I put my mind into it, if I have ever had to go back, I'll do it and I'll come back. You know, uh, to, to be. But uh, at this, this point, we're just happy what we have. We're very grateful what we have and uh, we enjoy the ride. Yeah. And I love what you're saying too about helping out other people in your industry and just helping out your, your clients and your customers in any way that you can, even if it's pushing it over to other companies. And that's one thing that I think 
listeners should really take home, whether you're selling e-commerce or if you have some kind of agency, it doesn't matter what kind of business you have, just really thinking of that customer journey and protecting that customer journey at every single step of the way. So, you know, maybe there's a point in your customer journey where you should be recommending them like a different company's product because it just goes so well with your product. And you should absolutely be doing that if that's the best thing for the customer, right? And I think a lot of people in e-commerce, they just look at it as a transactional thing that like, okay, here's my product. Thank you very much. Thanks for your money. Um, and you know, that can, that can work. You can scale a company to a certain point at that. But, um, the people who I've talked to who have grown really massive companies, like hundred, hundred million dollar brands, billion dollar brands have just become so obsessed with every piece of that customer journey. Like you get on the email list of like vital proteins, for example. And I, like, I, I know the marketer who, who was behind that uh, email list there. He's like, just the level of obsession they have taken over the customer journey and making sure that like every last little problem that they could have along the journey of using a product is is solved and, and guided and taken care of. Like you, you just can't play on that same level unless you've done the same thing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally connect to that. Uh, it's a good point. Essentially what drives me now is the passion, the passion to help. You know, we have our core competency with reimbursements and auditing, but the passion to help beyond whatever we can do beyond, it's, it's, uh, it comes from that place of being a seller and experiencing all that pain. And re- the pain is real, you know. Suspensions were almost uh, almost every quarter or once or twice a year we had a suspension of it because as a group we had multiple accounts, uh, a lot of accounts. Um, and every now and then all these accounts, uh, they, they get like, you know, a stick in their wheels. And you have to deal with that. Luckily, I'm telling you right now, every single suspension, we're able to reinstate. We're able to get it back on track because the, the core values were if you do something, you do it right. You only sell authentic. You, you never step on anybody's toes. If you by ha- accident did step on anybody's toes, you apologize. You say, it's not going to happen again because it will not happen again. And you know, I didn't realize because you know we, we used to have tens of thousands of SKUs where like this, the magnitude was was pretty powerful. So you're bound to hit some sort of border limit at some point in time. And once you do, you got to be ready for that. And and as long as you're honest and the other side can see you're honest, everything resolved. You 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 know you know you know had a discussion where you said you had um you know copyright infringement or some of some kind, right? You're never able to get that retraction. We experienced those things. And, and we eventually were able to get those, those restrictions, you know, even though the, when first we reached out to them, nobody answered, nobody cares, it seemed like a, you know, a, a dead end. We were relentless. We said, no, no, this is not going to happen. Nobody's going to come and say we did something wrong to them. We're going to try to communicate and they're not going to play the dance. They're just going to ignore us. That doesn't work because we're not a fly by night type of business. We have staff, employees, infrastructure, people's, you know, income is, is, is on the line. So, you know, you go to Google, you check where, you know, where is this coming from? Who is really the brand owner? Who is the copywriter? And then you get one thread pulls the other and you're able to finally get to, posi- you know, a position where you can communicate your message and they hear it and say, oh, okay, you're right. You know, here's our attraction. That's it. Um, and I want to put a little message out there. I'm not a suspension excellent. Uh, I'm not a suspension uh, specialist or anything like that, but I'm talking from my own experiences. If you are, if you have conviction in your justice and you know that you're right um, and, and, and you got attacked uh, maliciously by some some sort of a copyright, whatever it is, and and uh, let's say somebody, a company, a brand, uh, a co- even a brand owner comes and says you're selling fakes. It's my product and it's fakes, and this is absolutely not true, and they have nothing to back it up. Don't back down. Reach out and do what you think to clear your name, and if that doesn't work, just you know you can take him to court, because the court, the law says if you know you interfere with somebody's business without evidence or proof, 
that's 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 pretty much a, a large offense, and you, the law can strike you down. And it's gonna they're gonna pay they're gonna pay heavy penalties, and you can do it, and it's not too expensive. You do it because essentially the case will be like imagine in court. Um, okay, you said they're selling your your product fakes. What's your proof? I don't have proof. Okay, here's the judgment. There's nothing too too. It's a no brainer because it was like almost like slander. You say something about a person, it's absolutely not true, and because of that you damage your reputation. That's it. The case is, you know, it's pretty straightforward. So sellers out there, they have to have the conviction and the fact that whatever they're trying to do, they're trying to do it honestly and the right way. If they step on anybody's toes, be prepared to apologize and, and, and correct it and make it right again. And that was key for our success because this way we're always able to get reinstated, go back on track, you know, lick the wounds. There's always wounds. It's always painful. It's always traumatic. Uh, go back on track and, and, and continue going. So this kind of experience and, and, and uh, mindset, that's what we carry on with us right now. So whenever we hear the pains and, and, and pitfalls of the sellers, uh, in a way, it drives us nuts because we're like, we got to help these guys. Whatever it is, we've got to help them. It doesn't really make us any money, but one way or another, help them with just offering solutions or directing them. It just comes from passion from, from I guess, um, the experience of the game. Really, yeah, well, and, you know, it comes back in ways that you can't measure as well. You know, people, people will remember people that helped them. And that's what I really like about what you said is that you're looking at from a very human perspective. You're not saying like, okay, so they did this. So that means that I can sue them here and I can do this and blah, blah, blah. Like you can, you can take them to court if it really comes down to that. But you're first looking at things from a human perspective. Like, okay, we're going to clear our name with this company. Like who, who is actually the person behind it? Like make sure that they don't feel like we're, we're trying to like do anything malicious to them or anything like that. Because at the end of the day, it's humans who are behind these businesses that are operating this. And like, we can forget that sometimes because us as business owners, we're interacting with our competitors on a, you know, not human level. They're just like, there's some company in our brain that like, they're this evil entity that is just bent on like, you know, no, you're right. Down. You're absolutely right. It's all people. You got to remember that we, we, and, and I guess this generation is all about thinking where it's us against the machines, even Amazon. A lot of people figure it's just a machine, even self-performance is just a machine. But you know, what? The, the, the bottom and the heart of it, it's not, it's, it's, it's people. So when you have a, somebody from self-performance reviewing your plan of action or your case, um, he's a human. He's trying to figure it out. What are you saying? Right. If you, if what you're saying makes sense and you look legit, you get reinstated. Um, but the way it's all constructed makes us feel like it's a machine, but it's all, it's still, machines are big today, but it's all made by humans and they're being run by humans for humans, for your human purposes. So it's important to remember that. That's a good point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so easy to forget that too. So at this point in the journey, did you, did you exit the company to focus on the software or what happened with, um, with the e-commerce? Yeah, we just cashed out we, we saw all the products, all the goods, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, and we wind it down. Uh, we have the we have the infrastructure. If we ever need to go back, we have it. We have the accounts. We have whatever we need. Um, if you put some money in and uh, a bunch of employees, it goes back on track. But at this point, there's uh, there's no interest in it anymore. It's just uh, it's uh, you know for you like you know being a carpenter, it's something that uh, you know you're doing things based on those skills that you did before. You can always go back to it. But uh, I guess once we made the pivot, uh, and it was very very. It was a big pivot, meaning it wasn't something to, to be taken lightly. We really had to make uh, bold uh, decisions at that point of time. But today, looking back, uh, I can't even look back. It's just it's marching forward full steam, and it's uh, it's been a good ride. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah, well, and how did you have the wherewithal, too, to not be focusing on two things at once? Because that's the biggest downfall of most entrepreneurs. Even Even a lot of very successful entrepreneurs I know, 
that they will just say that like that's their one hardest thing that they can't always do. They're always bringing up side projects. They're always bringing up at least a second business, you know. So like, how did you how did you have the the awareness to know that that's not what you wanted to do? That you needed to uh, cash out. It was of one more like the other. it was more like uh, it was a leap of faith, but there was a, some sort of what we're doing right now is like a center of gravity just pull us in. It just pull us in in such a way where. You know, same way I got into the e-commerce game anyways. Uh, it was so powerful. It's like more powerful than me. It just sucked me in. I was doing, uh, you know, distribution uh, and sales for, for a supplement company. You know, I guess the old world business, right? And e-commerce just drew me in. It was so powerful. There was so much magic in it. It just drew me in. I felt like I'm peaking. You know, I, I'm plateauing, so to speak. You know, it's I, I guess when you come to a position where you're operating at such a level of 100 million, okay, to get to 200 million, a billion dollars. Uh, some companies, you know, that's pretty much uh, that's that's something that's available for them maybe but for me something else grew from from that from that position and it just sucked me in um, in such a powerful way uh, and such a pleasurable way also there's an element of pleasure so it was a leap of faith we took it and it's been successful because today I'm, I'm 35 right I'm not a grandpa or anything but uh, I feel like you know uh, looking back, I matured. I matured from 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 the ability to make the pivot. I, I chose to make a pivot to, to to take a leap of faith, and it was successful. And now I know I'm matured enough to know that once I put my mind and effort into something, it it grows. Not just me, of course, me and my partner, my whole team, and the whole organization. It's a mindset. It's a focus level. It just works. Things start. You know, there's the the start is always you know cranky, and, and there's a lot of patch patches to and and all that stuff. Even today. You know, we, we, we hit a, a certain level of success and, and, and things are awesome. But you can always, you always see how you can get further, higher, higher. You know where your leaks and holes and whatever it is and, and you patch them up, you solidify, you go to the next step, solidify the next step. It's just a, a process that I am experiencing, not just since my entry into uh, e-commerce and, and, and uh, online retail. Uh, it's also comes from my, a little bit from my past, from my history. I, um, you know, I guess full disclosure, I didn't get a chance to start the story from there, but uh, I was born and raised in Israel. Right. Um, when I grew up, in the years that I grew up, it was full of conf conflict and war. You know, the Middle East is not a, um, it's not a, such a, a place where things are always peaceful. Uh, there's always like challenges and, and uh, turmoil and and. Uh, but nevertheless, the country I came from, we're able to um, create a very vibrant and successful society economically, uh, culturally, you know, um, and throughout all this turmoil. And, um, and then later on, I, I, I did three years of service. I served in the, the IDF, Israeli Defense Forces. So I became a soldier. Okay, so soldier, you start from scratch. Boot camp, right? You have the boot camp element. You don't know you're shocked. You're into this new world. They give you a gun. They give you the shoes. They give you the whole thing. Discipline. You know, you walk up, to, you, we did a session, you know, you walk up today, what, 4 or 5 a.m.? Right? Yeah, 4, 4.40 a.m. Yeah, that was like a usual day in the Army. I mean, I'm telling you, the only thing that I have from the Army that, that today I, uh, I look back at I don't want to ever want to do again. It's just to wake up at 4 a.m. every morning and clean my weapon, clean the whole world, and just start like that. It's something that today, if I wake up 8 a.m., like, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it so much. But um, this uh, this journey that I made, you know, once I hit uh, into the e-commerce world and how I guess sometimes it can get brutal and, and challenge you and be really hyper dynamic, it felt very comfortable. It felt like almost a familiar position. Um, and, but it was still full of war. But today I'm in a stage where it's less war, it's less fighting. It's more about communicating and cooperating. So I'm experiencing, maybe I'm experiencing what it would be like to grow up in a place like the United States, you know, where things are more peaceful, more about cooperation. And there's not, there's, there isn't too much um, of a turmoil happening all the time. 
But nevertheless, today we're having the COVID-19, the coronavirus. It's rocking not just the United States, it's rocking the world. Maybe not where you are. You're in a very, very unique gem to, to be in a place in the world, which is um, Bali and Indonesia, right? I got it right? In Indonesia, yeah. Bali is, uh, it's, it's such an anomaly. We had two deaths, like right at the start of the out- outbreak that literally were just tourists that had flown in and then died here and then oh, nothing yeah. else ever since. And that was like two months ago. So it's the anomaly of the world. Yeah, you special breed. Um, but yeah, today, even today, under turmoil, uh, I I, uh, I realized the, the the importance of you know working together, helping others, supporting in any way possible, uh, just being um, contagious in, in in the spirit of help and and and, uh, and support. In the spirit of help and support instead of in the spirit of Corona. That's that's the kind of contagious you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if something should be contagious is the spirit and is the right spirit, having the right spirit instead of, uh, you know, obviously the Corona does its own thing and being contagious, but in the, the spirit of humanity will, will overcome this. It's just a matter of time. And that's, that's the beauty of it. Now we're just, today is everybody's more concerned, like when are they going to have, when are they going to finish with the vaccine or the medication? They know it's just a matter of time. That's a great accomplishment for humanity. It's not like a, such a, some sort of a plague. We don't know when it's going to end. It's going to end at some point. You know, we have the, the, the malaria, chicken pox, all these things. Science, we, we, there, there's a trigger. Something's going to happen. We're going to get rid of it. I know it like, happens to be that a few days ago in Israel, one of the um, research centers over there, they had a, you know, it was like a world-breaking news that they uh, were able to find uh, they were, they had a successful experiment in, in having some sort of a uh, vaccine. Uh, I believe it was a vaccine or medication. Don't catch me by the word. And it looks very promising. The first results were very, very good. And now they're going into uh, animal uh, testing. And then hopefully within a few months, they have either the medication or the, or the vaccine. Um, but, you know, obviously they took the credit coming from Israel, but the, the laboratory center itself worked with a lot of cooperation from, from laboratories all over the world through Zoom, through all this technology. So, um, that ability of technology communication between humans is the, is the reason why we're going to overcome this. And it's the reason why we're, some of us are even prospering during this, the, right, this pandemic. You know, if you're selling on e-commerce on Amazon and you're in the right category, you're booming, right? Amazon as a whole body is booming like crazy. So, and that's pretty much uh, from those same elements that uh, are booming, they're going to pull all the ones that are in the trenches out of the trenches, hopefully, and get everything back on track. Yeah, well, I, I 100% agree on that. And you only we're at the end of our time here. Um, if people wanted to reach out to you, and like, I, I definitely recommend that they get involved in your community in some way. I, I know you're all about community connections and just helping sellers as much as possible. Um, where can they where can they reach out to you or, or kind of join that that community? Yeah, so uh, anybody can always visit us at uh, getita.com, which is getidea.com, and contact us page, chat room. Uh, we have our Facebook group. Uh, if you go to Facebook, Getita, you'll find us there. If you need uh, to reach out to me directly, uh, you can email me. My email is uh, yonim at getita.com, which is Y-O-N-I-M for mama, at getita.com. You know, I'm available. I'm here to help. And even anybody needs help with, uh, obviously, with auditing their Amazon account for reimbursements, we're available for that. If they need any help with anything else, you know, they're more than welcome to reach out. We'll be happy to help anyone that comes to our uh, doorstep, uh, hopefully virtually until uh, the pandemic ends. Awesome, Yoni. Well, and, and guys, if you're looking for any of those links, I will put those in the show notes at kenjiroi.com slash blog. So you can click all those links. Um, Yoni's a very, very smart, uh, emotionally intelligent guy. And so when you hear someone who's had his kind of success, 
know, reaching a hundred million level on Amazon. And then also like putting so much effort into this creating a seller community that all helps each other. Then to me, that's just someone I want to be following. And so definitely check out his Facebook group. And if you haven't already go leave a review for the podcast, you can do that on iTunes or Stitcher, or you can even go to rate this slash AF and it'll just open up whatever apps on your phone to leave a review. So Really appreciate that if you go do that and read every single one. So thanks for joining us, guys. And until next time, go out there and kick some ass. For show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit KenjiROI.com.